Welcome back to Flex Your Head, another special episode of Screen Therapy. On Flex Your Head, we take a breather from punk rock and mental health and explore classic punk albums, which I guess is good for mental health. On this episode, we're joined again by Mike, just Mike. How's it going today, Mike? I always thought Mike was my last name and Indy was my first name. That's right, Indy Mike. I forgot all about that. Emo Jason and Indy Mike. Yeah, sure. That, that works. So what album are we talking about today, Mike? Talking about End on End by Right to Spring. Right, so Rights of Spring, uh, they formed in 1984 and were a big part of the Revolution Summer thing. That was tail end of 84 into 85. Guy Picciotto on guitar and vocals, Eddie Janney on guitar, Michael Fellows on bass, and Brendan Canty on drums. And of course, uh, Brendan and Guy were later in Fugazi. So they released one self-titled album in June of 85 and then the All Through a Life 7-inch, which came out in 87, both of them on Discord Records, of course. Then they released, uh, like you said before, the End on End discography, which was on CD and cassette, came out in 87, and had all their stuff, basically, and then one extra track called Other Way Around, which is an awesome song. Uh, they broke up before the All Through Life 7-inch came out, and that was kind of a m- mellower, indie rocky thing, which will be good for you, indie Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of it was recorded at Inner Ear Studio by Ian McKay and Michael Hampton. Michael Hampton of the Faith. There's so many like cross references going on here, and then Ian does some background vocals on a couple of the songs, and I'm sure that Michael Hampton was in there as well. After saying all that and deciphering what I just said, <laughs> what are your opening thoughts on the discography? It's kind of similar to the Minor Threat one, where I just listened to it so much, probably more than any other music. I've probably listened to the Minor Threat discography and the Rights of Spring discography, but I never really analyzed it before. I guess the things that stuck out to me were the rhythm section, just the sort of uniqueness of both the bass playing and the drumming and just how good it was. The bass lines are just really creative and they just really stand out. The rhythm section really carries the band in a way. Yeah, I read somewhere that Guy had said that he thought the bass playing on the album was the star. So with that in mind, same thing as you, I listened to it and try to pick out the bass and it's just lots of bass chords and in fact, the bass really drives the album. Yeah, really amazing bass playing. But also Brendan's drumming is kind of unusual. Like it's not really the typical punk or hardcore kind of rhythms that you would have or whatever. It's kind of a bit more creative or uh, diverse. But then also Guy's lyrics really stuck out to me. You know, they're really personal, but they're also kind of really poetic. They're really creative and poetic and it kind of works. That could easily not work <laughs> if other people were writing those lyrics, but somehow you kind of like... his own spin on it so speaking of things that might not work with other bands let's talk about his vocals (laughs) what is going on here did you go into the studio and just open his mouth and it came out or do you say i want to sound like this (laughs) 
I mean, there's like variety in it too. Yeah. Some of it's more melodic and some of it's more like guttural or yeah, it's funny because they're the prototypical emo band, but actually a lot of it is more straightforwardly mm-hmm. punk or hardcore than you would think for sort of the band yeah. that the band that created emo or something. But we'll get into that debate in a little yeah. bit because I've got yeah. some, I've got some quotes <laughs> on that. So funny for me when I was younger listening to this, I think I first listened to this in grade 12 or first year of college. So that was back in 90 or 91. And I remember thinking that lyric about the glass caught in his throat and then I choked. So in yeah. my mind, it's like, oh, man, this guy's got glass in his throat. That's why he sounds like this. He's got to get that glass out of his throat. Oh, that's why he sounds so harsh. This is when I'm like 18. Like, I'm not yeah. a kid. <laughs> they only played 19 shows, 16 were in D.C., and then they played three outside of D.C. They weren't around for very long, very much like Embrace, who I kind of, their sibling band in some ways. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Embrace with Ian McKay and the guys from Faith. So, yeah, they weren't around for very long, and they recorded quite a few songs. But I don't know. Do bands like this have to stay around for very long? Like, what would they have done if they had stayed around? Because that 7-inch was good, but it was very much going into this whole other indie rock place. And some of these bands are just yeah. a stamp in time, and the people move on to other things. Yeah, it's almost better in a way, I think, just to have one really good album. Yeah, and then they just move on to other bands and other things. And yeah, I think it makes sense for the context of it. and might not have been as good if they just kept trying to do it or something yeah and then of course ski and brandon went on to a pretty good band afterwards too so <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> kind of worked out the fugazi thing fugazi stayed around for yeah know, how many years 20 years or something so yeah interesting too i was reading somewhere that they all recorded in a very small room facing each other and there was mm-hmm. no separation between them they're just like in it and they <laughs> tracked all the music live in one take and it was oh, in the dark okay. with a strobe light going <laughs> And Guy had said somewhere that uh, that basically they're hitting all the wrong notes. They're in the dark, just like this chaotic, <laughs> which kind of makes sense, especially on the on the first few songs. Like song number one and two are just spring and deeper than inside. It's like one of the best one-two punches in punk. You know, those two, yeah. those two songs, how frantic they are. So yeah. it makes sense that they were uh, in the dark with a strobe light going. <laughs> It's interesting how the songs, types of songs on the album, but those first two songs are really like fast and punk and hardcore and stuff. Yeah. But then they get into different kind of rhythms and different types of songs after that. But it, yeah, it really like hits you right off the bat. Well, let's talk about some of the songs. We, we mentioned the spring and deeper than inside as song one and two. Do any songs in particular stand out? We were talking about the bass earlier and the fourth song, Haynes Point, the bass kind of really uh, stands out on that. It's kind of really creative or really uh, just really noticeable. And and then the one of the songs towards the end, uh, Nudes, I really liked. And I really felt like that's kind of really similar to like a Fugazi song. Yeah. 
has a different feel to it than the other songs on the album. And then I was thinking like end on end is kind of funny the way they ended it. It's almost like a classic rock or like psychedelic or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. With all the effects. And then there's that thing at the very end of end on end it's a film or something. And he says to write a piece about a solemn pagan rite, wise elders seated in a circle, watching a young girl dance herself to death. They were sacrificing her to propitiate the God of spring. All right. <laughs> there you go. That's where the name came from, I guess. The Rite of Spring is by Igor Stravinsky, Symphonic Ballet. So the song that really stands out for me is For Want Of because of the whole glass caught in my throat, which I talked about yeah. earlier, yeah. my interpretation of that. But that song just has a really good, kind of sounds like a Fugazi song as well to me in some ways. I actually hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it, but I wouldn't necessarily say the, these songs that Brandon and Guy, the sound they make together went into Fugazi. It doesn't quite mesh, but I think that nude song, like you said, and then also this one now that I'm thinking about it, has that groove to it that you get more in the Fugazi stuff. I still don't think that this album or Rites of Spring are so directly connected to Fugazi. It never really occurred to me. I mean, in the same way you wouldn't say Minor Threat sound like Fugazi. It's just completely different things. I'd never thought about that before, like in years past when I was listening to it. But then just this this time, I Maybe I was trying to make those connections more. Yeah, I agree with the, the lyrics of For Want Of are really, uh, really stood out for me too. Yeah, Really creative and really like stick in your head. They're really harsh in a way. Yeah. A lot of these songs are love songs, essentially. Guy would have been 20, maybe? 21 at the most. Right. When he wrote these songs. You know, lots of love songs, lots of uh, forlorn broken heart songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we all write those when we're 18 or 19 uh, but they stand up they're not cheesy the lyrics aren't cheesy at yeah. all he's always been such an amazing lyricist so this is now no exceptions the strength of the album is in the lyrics there's a lot yeah. of strengths but a lot like the embrace record where you can really hear the vocals are really up front yeah i was thinking about the lyrics because yeah it is kind of funny in a way because it's pretty much all love songs broken hearted songs the lyrics aren't like Eric's trip or Fleetwood Mac or something like that. You know, they're a lot more, <laughs> it's, it's not so stuck in time like that. Like they're more poetic and creative. They have more of like a lasting uh, value yeah. to them. I think <laughs> the vocals actually were recorded in one take as well. So that's pretty impressive. Guy was saying that the improv ending on end on end that we talked about, they just kept recording until the tape ran out and rolled off the reels. rocket from the crypt trick (laughs) they did that as well that makes sense four young guys being goofy playing you know music that's very hard on sleeve but obviously senses of humor you're not trying to treat themselves too seriously I, i like that a lot i think that's kind of where they really stand out from the whole scene of bands trying to be emotional for the sake of it and not really coming from a place that's very balanced i read some interview the interviewer is like, oh, so you guys were all about the Buzzcocks. That was your main kind of influence and stuff. And he was like, yeah, we we're into them, but we we're, we we're also really into Discharge. 
and you just go there. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but you could kind of see that where they have this mixture of those two two kind of extremes or something. I never heard Insurrection. I don't think they even have a recording out, but I'd heard that they were a Discharge band, that oh, they were right, heavily yeah. influenced by Discharge, and it was all those guys. They would have been really young at that point, just trying to do a D-beat band. It's kind of funny. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe that's why it never got released. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, going back to the sense of humor, how goofy these guys were, I found this quote talking about the different funny things they would do as pranks. Mike Fellows said, quote, there was a strict system of pacts where if something was declared and then seconded, it then had to be executed without resistance, like watching Nina's 99 Red Balloons video 99 times without leaving the room or crawling home from miles away. <laughs> Guy was saying on John Dugan's blog, whatever that is or means, um, <laughs> that when they first started, it was Mike and him that were kind of, he called it barnacled to Brendan's first band, Deadline. And he said the group of us who were affiliated with Deadline were known as the DOD, which is a subset of DC Punk, and it had its own dance moves and way of dressing. Mike and I would bum rush the tail end of Deadline shows, grab their instruments, and improvise chaotically until the plug got pulled. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting because after Rites of Spring, they came back as Happy Go Licky, which was an improv band, essentially. In the liner notes here, it says DOD forever. And it's got little flowers and stuff. <laughs> I thought maybe it stood for Dance of Days for some reason. Embrace lyrics or something? Yeah, yeah maybe. It's a good theory. <laughs> this band's been blamed for that trend of bands lying on the floor and crying. Yeah, that was kind of a <laughs> yeah. big thing in the in the late 90s. Yeah. In Dance of Days, the book by Mark Anderson and Mark Jenkins about how when the audience started copying them and laying on the floor and throwing flowers at the band. It was like, okay, we're done with that. (laughs) It's too performative, (laughs) preconceived. The interesting part about them being labeled emo, you know, like one of the first emo bands, because they had no interest in that or thoughts about that. So one of the things that Guy had said in 2003, I just thought all the bands I played in were punk rock bands. The reason I think it's so stupid, emo, is that, what, like bad brains weren't emotional? What, they are robots or something? It just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the last word on, on whether they're emo band. But then, like you're saying, the 7-inch is kind of a different style. Mm-hmm. They're good songs. I, I still like them. And I still like the songs and the lyrics and everything, but it's all, it almost sounds like a different band. should have just called it a different band because they did that with one last wish and happy go lucky anyway and breaking up soon after as well i think what we said earlier applies i mean these kinds of bands that are so influential and amazing and do they need to stay around forever like fugazi was great because they're such a influential band and they're such a multifaceted band but i don't know that rights of spring necessarily would have gone on to 
evolve in the same way that Fugazi did. Yeah, I think there are different kinds of bands, and yeah, it makes sense that Fugazi went on longer. But yeah, so other bands like Minor Thread and Right to Spring, they don't they don't necessarily have anywhere to go after that, and it doesn't necessarily need to go anywhere else. Minor Threat's last seven inch, and then the last seven inch by Right to Spring, similar trajectory yeah, yeah. in the sense that it got quite a bit more melodic and. Yeah. It almost felt like a what they call a denome, the climax to the denome of a, of right. a story. I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but denome, whatever. Well, salad days, right? Yeah. You know, these are the salad days. We're gonna go out with a whimper. <laughs> I do like those songs, though. They're very melodic. Yeah, they're just transitioning to other bands and other styles. I think it makes mm-hmm. sense. Some YouTube comments here if we want to go in that direction. Yeah, sure. If you're ready. Are you holding on to something? Oh, no. (laughs) I'm always ready. So lots of arguing about emo. So boring. Uh, (laughs) Actually, to roll with that thought a little bit here. So there's lots of good emo bands. Sunny Day Real Estate and I like Jimmy Eat World a lot. You know, there's a whole late 90s emo scene. I mean, these days we have all kinds of weird bands they call emo. What is emotional I think everything is emotional right yeah. discharge are emotional because they're angry and yeah. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac are emotional because they're in love with each other yeah. and then in hate with each other <laughs> and on drugs with each other yeah <laughs> to call this emo well why because it's a bit more there's more of a feeling to it it's got more feeling it's got more heart or something yeah I think it's just because they have the song where they talk about crying like if I started crying <laughs> would you start crying and then they yeah. had the thing of yeah being on the floor, but it's just kind of exaggerated. And like you said, they were it wasn't their intention to start anything. Just like the same with Straight Edge and Minor Threat, they weren't trying to create like a mold for people to then fit themselves into, but just other people took that upon themselves. People associate emotional with being sad or right. emotional to me can be any emotional, happy. Right. Maybe it's like a macho thing because men aren't supposed to be sad or something or being angry is just like normal or something. These other emotions are just like normal. They're not considered emotions, but if you're sad or that's something abnormal. Yeah. The term to sort of flip them off and say, oh, you guys are just emo. You're just sad. Yeah. That's the kind of feeling I got back in late nineties or early two thousands or whatever it was. People kind of looked down on it. You know, it was kind of like disparaging or something just to have, (laughs) have other kinds of emotions. (laughs) YouTube comments, Herman Waldorf, one year ago, this isn't emo, this is free jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Okay, sure, free jazz. Username is dissenter, Marhaliki AWA, two years ago, this is very boring music. I like this one, from Sloth, five years ago. This is emo at its beginning. People are just not letting it evolve. Emo has blown up since these guys and Jawbreaker. Emo has certain subgenres and generations now. This is first-gen emo core. My Chemical Romance was next-gen emo core until Danger Days. Then they became emo pop. The subgenres are screamo, emo core, emo pop, and emo violence. The emo <laughs> look has evolved as well and now draws from scene and goth culture. Don't fear the next-gen emo. <laughs> is that a different language? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is today's youth. Today's emo has nothing to do with But also it's kind of funny to argue over like what is the real emo or something. This person really spelled it out though. Yeah, that's true. It was like a manifesto of emo. 
<laughs> He's trying to spread awareness and acceptance of all forms of emo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I came across this band from 1966 called The Rites of Spring. Oh. And <laughs> they had a song called Why. And the lyrics are, as the tears form in my eyes. <laughs> like, is this Rites of Spring? Uh. Time traveling? They don't sound like Rites of Spring. They sound like very early psych rock okay. stuff. But So do you remember the first time that you heard Rites of Spring? I don't think you ever put them on a mixtape for me. I'm not sure. I think you just recommended the CD to me and I just bought it or something because of the Discord connection. Or I think I did got the Minor Threat one and then, and then the Rites of Spring right after that. Yeah, I remember very distinctly bringing it home and being stoked on the first two songs because they're such a one-two punch out of the gates. And then the third song, For Want Of, comes on and it's just got that piece of glass caught in his throat and then he choked. And I thought, okay, this isn't just your normal punk, hardcore. This is something else. And it really opened me up to all kinds of more melodic music. Because before that, I was into metal and like straight ahead hardcore and punk and crossover hardcore and stuff like that. So I got into other bands like Jawbreaker and Sunny Day Real Estate, bands like that, because of Rites of Spring. Otherwise, I don't think I would have gone there. It just wasn't, Hmm. I needed to have an in. Oh, that makes sense. That's interesting, yeah. I never knew that that was specifically Rites of Spring that kind of did that for you. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And Fugazi was huge too for that. They stuck together for so long, Brandon and Guy. They yeah. were in Insurrection. Yeah. They were in They were in like a lot of these bands together and then ended up being in Fugazi together, which is cool because not to get too much into Fugazi, but Guy did come in later on in the band after being a bit of a Flavor Flav hype man, cheerleader <laughs> type guy at the beginning. <laughs> Right, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> the dancer. You're a big Faith fan or the Faith fan. So yeah. what about the guitars from Eddie Janney on this record? They're really good. They're really similar. It's kind of the split with Void is more straightforward punk or hardcore. But then there's the Subject to Change EP, which is the last thing the Faith did. You can see the transition to Rites of Spring. Yeah. I saw a lot of similarities in the guitar playing between that last Faith record and the the Right Spring, yeah the songwriting and rhythms kind of similar yeah for sure and then michael fellows the bass player we talked about before just such a great mm-hmm. bass heavy album in some ways rights of spring i think was his only real serious discord band yeah yeah i don't think he played in any other ones yeah. i guess he played in some other like indie rock bands much later or something yeah he was in silver jews which is uh steven malcolmus from pavement and bob nastanovich from Pavement were both in that band right. with Michael Fellows. A lot of these Discord bands kind of eat their own tails in some ways, right? The same people coming back and the whole thing with, oh, okay, Faith's going to become embraced with Ian Mackay. So to have a guy like Michael Fellows, who was so good on that album, then all of a sudden just wasn't in any other bands. I think he was in Happy Go Licky. But I was thinking about that because he's like one of the best bass players ever for like a hardcore or punk band.
it's kind of unusual that he didn't go on to be in like tons of other punk and hardcore bands like a lot of the other discord people did anything else that comes to mind just that it really still stands up i've listened to it probably like 20 times over the past <laughs> couple weeks or the last month or something not everything from different time periods stands up this one really did the combination of the lyrics and the guitar and the the bass and the drum like just the musicianship of it and the songwriting it's timeless for me i don't know if i completely agree i think this for me sounds a little bit i don't want to say dated but i can pinpoint it to a certain time but i don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing in this case because 1985 was such a strange time in in politics there was still the whole threat of nuclear war as well like oh my god like world war three or a bomb's gonna land on my house that kind of thing right they sound really young to me right like i listened to fugazi's first album and they're all quite young but they don't sound young to me and in some ways minor threat because minor threat guys were like brian baker was 14 or something but <laughs> they don't sound young to me for some reason these guys sound young yeah that makes sense but that's not a problem i mean i like young people <laughs> you know <laughs> they're good <laughs> And I like the fact that these guys went on to so much other great stuff. Rights of Springs music has just got feeling to it. It's got heart, right? And yeah, yeah. it's got emotion, but it's not as clear-cut as people think it is. Yeah. I just think of it as being creative. I don't really think of it as being emo or something because emo didn't exist before them, right? Yeah. Or before them and Embrace. So I just think of it as them being creative and being influenced from different kinds of music and kind of combining those different influences together. That's what I appreciate about it is the, the creativity. Don't forget to listen to the Scream Therapy podcast, which is the main podcast at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. And we also have a handful of these Flex Your Head special episodes on there as well. Mike and I talked about Minor Threat and... Born Against. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's some No Means No Ones on there. So check that out. And the main podcast is about punk rock and mental health. And there's 45 episodes you can check out, all about different mental health diagnoses, folks that are working in the mental health sector, and a lot of punk musicians talking about their own lived experience. So check those out. Again, ScreamTherapyHQ.com. Thanks again for being here, Mike, to talk about Rights of Springs and On End discography. And I'm sure we'll have you back. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's fun. Sorry!